0: Welcome to SnoozeCast, the podcast designed to help you fall asleep. On SnoozeCast, we read excerpts from public domain works and occasionally original stories. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please share it with a friend. Thank you to Riri10171 for your kind review on Apple Podcasts. We're so happy to be part of your bedtime ritual. This episode is brought to you by watching a meteor shower with your friends. Tonight, we'll be reading from The Island of Dr. Moreau, an 1896 classic early science fiction novel by author H.G. Wells. The novel is the earliest depiction of the science fiction motif uplift, in which a more advanced race intervenes in the evolution of an animal species to bring the latter to a higher level of intelligence. In this story, a shipwrecked man is rescued by a passing boat who is left on the island home of Dr. Moreau, a mad scientist who creates human-like hybrid beings from animals. This remains one of Wells' best-known books. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. One, in the dinghy of the lady vein, I do not propose to add anything to what has already been written concerning the loss of the Lady Vane. As everyone knows, she collided with the derelict when 10 days out from Callao. The longboat with seven of the crew was picked up 18 days after by H.M. gunboat Myrtle, and the story of their terrible privations has become quite as well known as the far more horrible Medusa case, but, I have to add to the published story of the Lady Vane another, possibly as horrible and far stranger. It has hitherto been supposed that the four men who were in the dinghy perished, but this is incorrect. I have the best of evidence for this assertion. I was one of the four men. But in the first place, I must state There never were four men in the dinghy. The number was three. Constance, who was seen by the captain to jump into the gig, luckily for us and unluckily for himself, did not reach us. He came down out of the tangle of ropes under the stays of the smashed bowsprit. Some small rope caught his heel as he let go, and he hung for a moment, head downward, and then fell and struck a block or spar floating in the water. We pulled towards him, but he never came up. I say luckily for us he did not reach us, and I might almost say luckily for himself, for we had only a small beaker of water and some soddened ship's biscuits with us. So sudden had been the alarm, so unprepared the ship for any disaster. We thought the people on the launch would be better provisioned, though it seems they were not, and we tried to hail them. They could not have heard us. And the next morning, when the drizzle cleared, which was not until past midday, we could see nothing of them. We could not stand up to look about us because of the pitching of the boat. The two other men who had escaped so far with me were a man named Helmar, a passenger, like myself and a seaman whose name i don't know a short sturdy man with a stammer we drifted famishing and after our water had come to an end tormented by an intolerable thirst for eight days altogether after the second day the sea subsided slowly to a glassy calm it is quite impossible for the ordinary reader to imagine those eight days. He has not, luckily for himself, anything in his memory to imagine with. After the first day, we said little to one another and lay in our places in the boat and stared at the horizon or watched with eyes that grew larger and more haggard every day, the misery and weakness gaining upon our companions. The sun became pitiless. The water ended on the fourth day. and We were already thinking strange things and saying them with our eyes. But it was, I think, the sixth before Helmar gave voice to the thing we had all been thinking. I remember our voices were dry and thin so that we bent towards one another and spared our words. I stood out.